0: Hey everybody, this is Dennis harhalakis from Cambridge Money Coaching. And if you really want to learn how to level up your life, you should be listening to Time to Shine Today podcast with my good friend, Scott Ferguson. Let's level up. Time to
1: Shine Today podcast, varsity squad. This is Scott Ferguson and we're at episode 291 with my really awesome sauce friend, Dennis Har-Halakis. Uh He is across the pond from me um, here and he is full of compassion, he's full of empathy when it comes to managing money, and he wants the financial advisors out there to really under, start understanding the compassion and the transparency that comes along with this, and it's just such a breath of fresh air that Dennis does this. Uh, I've worked with money managers in the past who so are all about that dollar and just making it, and basically I should shut my mouth and and just deal with whatever he or she would uh, give me for advice. Um, and Dennis is a lot different than that. And I just want you to like really take notes during this episode. I mean, sit back and relax, but break out your notebook because he drops some serious, serious knowledge nuggets about internalizing failure, about history of money, and just how he can help you level up. So without further ado, here is my really good friend, Dennis Haralakis, the founder of Cambridge Money Coaching. Let's level up. time to shine today podcast varsity squad this is scott ferguson and i got a buddy a good friend of mine dennis karalakis uh from across the pond over in england um he's a rock star certified money coach and the founder of cambridge money coaching money coaching deals with the subconscious patterns beliefs and behaviors around money that we all have and this is something i struggle with in the past and i have questions for my boy dennis here um that i know that you probably will too out there squad and prior to becoming a money coach dennis spent 30 years in banking and wealth management he works with individuals couples and financial professionals such as ifas and planners and dennis thank you so much for coming on please introduce yourself to the time to shine today podcast varsity squad but first what's your favorite color and why
0: it's blue and i don't blue. know why Okay. I'm wearing a blue. T- I'm wearing a blue top. It used to be purple, but now it's blue. <laughs> Purple's that it's regal. A very good color. And the <laughs> Chinese, uh, the Chinese believe that blue is the is the symbol of luck and prosperity. Really, I, I, I never knew prosperity.
1: that. I'm looking yeah, at the Atlantic cool. Ocean, and it, it's blue, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, but no, I never knew that it was symbol of luck. But I it, but I my my jam is purple because that mix of red and blue is uh, is me. Uh, I love it, and it's regal. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Let's get maybe to the roots of kind of where you were with the the 30 years on banking and wealth management, and then how you came to found Cambridge Money Coaching because that's a pretty royal name in a sense. That's we hear Cambridge here in the United States, you know, and we hear Cambridge, that's like royalty or or something like that. So I'm really (laughs) interested in how you came up with that name, how you locked that name down, or if it was hard at all,
0: and just really your roots, brother. Yeah, sure absolutely well I guess you've got the Cambridges that's like the royal family of the Cambridges that you right. from Cambridge. but I I started with Cambridge money coaching because I live in Cambridge oh and it just okay. seemed to me like a good uh, it like it has a good name but that was that was a few years ago uh, oh. more recently so as you say I started in uh, in banking I started in 1986 so you know oh. I'm, I'm back back in the days um I spent a lot of time um, in banking and wealth management. Um, And kind of over the years, I noticed that a lot of the people I worked with, they just weren't great with their money. Some had credit card debt, some struggled with bills, some had no savings. I even worked with a guy in a bank who was head of lending and governance, and he had to declare bankruptcy. So (laughs) working in a bank doesn't make you any better with your own money. In fact, you could probably say it doesn't make people very good with anybody's money, whether it's the customer's money or whether it's their own money. But anyway, i spent a lot of time working in this space uh, and I thought I knew a bit about money. And I guess, in you know, in some senses, I did. But I moved to the... I was working abroad and I moved back to the UK. This was in about, uh, about 2014. Um, and I didn't have a job, but, you know, I was building a house. So I got involved in this process of building a house. And building a house is all about uh, lots of decisions, right? When you buy a house, you make one decision, you make one payment. When you buy right. a house, <laughs> right, you make lots of decisions. And each decision is not just about where to put the lights or you know where to put the plugs or you know what where to put the appliances it's also always like a spending decision okay and so you make hundreds and hundreds of spending decisions and i didn't have any job i had some savings and and these were gradually being you know eaten up by the house and because you know any kind of building project is always you start with optimism and a budget and then, you know it always, always 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 starts to slide so i ended up in this space of, you know, making lots of spending decisions and building, uh, or, or, you know, in me, mm-hmm. I was building up anxiety. So I had no job, dwindling savings, increasing costs. And I did what most people do when they have money anxiety. I freaked out about every tiny expense. I did not look at my finances. I tormented myself with worry and I had like the small breakdown. Wow. So, you know, after 30 years in finance, it seems I knew quite a lot about money, uh, but not very much about money and myself. So I was financially competent, but not financially secure, right. not at least not in the emotional sense. And, you know, when you're living in a, in a state of anxiety, this has a massive knock on effect on all the people around you and making making decisions from a, from a place of uh, fear is usually suboptimal. So that was the place I found myself in, and I I was listening to a podcast because I'm trying to write stuff on financial literacy, which may seem ironic to you at the time, but I thought that would be you know something I could do, and I heard someone who just trained to be a money coach, is a financial planner, and she was talking about where our where our beliefs, where our ideas, where I where our money uh, behavior comes from, and and I suddenly realised I had this moment when I realised. I have been dragging around for the whole of my life my father's money anxiety, along with all the other stuff that that is part of my subconscious inheritance,
1: and then worrying about the future too. So you're dragging. Yeah,
0: we all all kind of worry about the future because that's kind of what mammals do and what most things. But how we worry about the future how much we yeah. worry about the future. Because it varies. Some people worry about the future a lot and others are like, "Nah, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'm sure something will turn up. So all <laughs> of that, right? a lot of that is about what you learned about yourself and what you learned about money as a child growing oh up. Oh my gosh, so true. I spent so true. my whole life dragging around my father's anxiety around money yes. and his anxieties around everything else at the, you know, at the same time. Um, And that gave me this moment of realization what it was. And it also showed me how I could release myself from that. So I trained to be a money coach. I spent uh, nearly nine months training with the Money Coaching Institute of California. I was on Zoom five years ago and I became a money coach. And so I help people deal with anxiety, other negative emotions, um, guilt, shame, regret. There's a whole bunch of stuff all wired in there. Right. And when you understand that, you can make better decisions, Uh, You reduce anxiety and you communicate in healthy ways because, as you know, money uh, causes a huge amount of friction. Yeah, I mean, you you find
1: that a lot of people, when it it comes to money, they kind of have a foot in the past, a foot in the future, and they piss all over the present, like they just get so worked up because of the it's like a sandwich, if you will. You know, because my dad worked on the line at General Motors, you know, they build Chevy cars and stuff like that. And we are always anxiety about money, always, oh, you can't get that going to restaurants and I wanted grits with my, oh, you know, you don't need the grits, you know, it was kind of that. Mm-hmm. And then you look forward and like, how the hell am I supposed to make it in this world when I went through what I went through? So am I hearing right kind of what you went through as well, the, the first of that anxiety?
0: Yeah. So the anxiety is not related to how much money you have. Obviously, if right. you don't have very much money, then you're far more likely to be concerned about how much the grits cost or whether you get, you know, a double soda or whatever, right. whatever you have. Right. Right. Um, but there are plenty of people who have money and that doesn't stop their money anxiety. So, sure. you know, the the what so one of the interesting things, if you look at the way the human brain is wired. Mm -hmm. Once you have anxiety, once you have cortisol going around the system, it it does this thing called cognitive narrowing. So basically your ability to think is massively impacted. Your ability to think straight, your ability to plan, your ability to make good decisions is reduced when you are anxious, when you're in an anxiety mode. Uh, The people I work with, we use this concept of halt, which is I make really bad decisions when I'm hungry, angry, anxious, lonely, or tired. Right. Because wow. when I'm hungry and tired, I don't have enough energy to run the thinking brain. And when I'm anxious, angry or lonely, i got cortisol going around the system. Right. Because but- this stems, it all stems from a really simple thing that we, we evolved with, which is if when you, Scott, if you're running with great haste from danger, how much energy do you need to put into it? Just enough to get away. A hundred percent, right? Right. Yeah. And 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 should this process be automatic or you know or conscious?
1: I think it should be conscious, but it's probably automatic because the way
0: we're wired from our ancestors. Right. You're, you're wired. If you are in great danger, you're wired to subconsciously get away. In fact, the brain has answers the question, "What do I do before what is it?" Right. What do I do is much more important than what is it because is it isn't right. a hose is it a snake. Doesn't really matter what do I do. Sure. So you have. Um, and then, like when you're running with great haste from danger, like do you need to worry about you know whether there's a coconut over there or whether you, right. you that guy's got a nice hairdo or you know, none of that <laughs> stuff, right? No, no, no. So, so, right. So your brain does this thing called cognitive narrowing. It shuts down your visual field of your field of vision and it shuts down your hearing because when you're running with great haste from danger, all you need to do is get out of where you are. You don't right. need to worry about anything else. Now that's uh, uh, you know that's fight or flight. That's you know that is a hardwired yeah. response that kept Survival, humans alive right. sure. for thousands of years. Right. However, and that's great if you're running from something with more hair and teeth than you, sure. have, or more legs and teeth. That's really really important. However, this same process, which is really powerful, really automatic, and really subconscious, goes on when you can't find your phone, or
1: sure. when you can't
0: find your car keys, or when you've got a tweet. Or you've got something that upsets you. This process of mm. cortisol release, fear, and cognitive narrowing. And so, when you live in a state of anxiety, you you have this this concept where where right now is really really important. The future isn't right. The lion in front of me is really important. Sure. Not next week's lion, and and you know the lion in forty years' time. Hey, I need to get past this lion first. Right. The lion in 40, that's not on there, right? That's that's that whole quote about that. Like, that's a problem for huge future Homer. I'd hate to be that guy. You say, right, right? "Right, Quote: "That's future Homer." Now, we don't live in that environment. Most of us don't live in that environment anymore. I mean, it, obviously, if you're in the armed services and whatever, and, or you you know, you're in, in Ukraine, that sort of things is really important to you right now. But sure. it isn't for most of us. Right. So, when you have this powerful response that gets triggered because you've got an email from your boss, or your partner's giving you a dirty look, or one of your kids has been rude to you. It stops you thinking straight. It stops sure. you thinking.
1: that cognitive narrowing, narrowing goes right into That's that. That's cognitive narrowing. Yeah, right?
0: got and it. So when you come back to finances, that you know that that anxiety state gives you cognitive narrowing. It makes you think about what can I do right now, as opposed to what makes sense sure. in the long term. You know, is, right. is is hassling Scott about like getting some fries or some grits really right. important right now? Right. Actually, probably not. Right. But because I'm anxious. I'm unable to see that picture. And so we come out of childhood with a whole bunch of messages about ourselves and about money and about whether we, you know, whether we deserve stuff. Okay. Um, And that goes with us through life.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I'm a hundred percent recovering victim of that mindset because I went out and defied my father in a sense where I just went, I'm like, I'm just going to print money. And I did, but I didn't listen to my advisors to keep it because I didn't have the identity to keep it. Right. So, and I had to coach myself. Now I, I do pretty damn well now, but I know that I have the right advisors in place that are going to help me. And speaking of advisors. So when you're working with somebody, maybe one-on-one, Dennis, is there any secret sauce that you have, if you don't mind sharing that? like during that discovery period that maybe helped them find their blind spot?
0: Mm. I think the most important thing is to start with understanding why managing your finances is really hard, and why it's difficult, because it is, right? And mm-hmm. we're not wired for it. Our brain isn't wired for it. There's a whole bunch of stuff um, that I'd love to share with you, but right now we we don't have the time to go into it because it's like a little sure. 20 minute mini speech. Yeah, we need to brief it up on this stuff. Absolutely. So, but I appreciate so it. The interesting thing about this is that once you realize how hard it is, you realize that and you internalize failure. So when you grow up, people go, why can't you do this? What's the matter with you? Why did you do this? What's the matter with you? Why don't you understand that? What's the matter with you? So we internalize failure. So money is this thing. I use it every day. It makes me feel bad. I don't understand why I have debt. I don't understand why I have no savings. I don't understand why I why I do what I do. Must be something wrong with me. So there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you at all. If you can't do something that's really hard that no one ever showed you how to do, that's wired to your emotions and your self-worth, then there's nothing wrong with you. That just makes you normal. And so the most important thing here is to start with self-compassion and forgiveness because if you don't start with that and you try and change and then as you know with any process of change you're going to make a mistake you're going to trip absolutely up. you're going to go ah i knew i could never do this i knew i wasn't you know and my dad was was bad with money or my mom was bad with money i knew i've always been bad with me i'm just not good you know so you're not good or bad with money you're just acting out a set of patterns and self-beliefs so start with self-compassion start with self-forgiveness this is hard but we can all learn how to do it because what's blocking you are the stories you tell yourself yes money
1: i freaking love that that makes so much sense another thing at least here in the states you know it's like when when kids go to school for education right like I, I, I have a nonprofit that I work with. It's called Financial Education Services. So they invite us into high schools to teach kids how to balance a freaking checkbook and, and stuff like that. Sure. And thank God they're letting us do that and come in and, and have that identity that it's okay to make a little bit of money. But also when you're in that rut to have self-compassion, I love, love, love that. And, and Dennis, so when you're maybe still in the discovery period or maybe you're starting to work with somebody uh, to help them level up finances... Or it, working with people that help others level up finances. Um, is there any good question that you wish they would ask you, but never
0: do? Oh, that's a really interesting way of doing it. Normally people say, What questions do you ask others? Um, well, I a great question would be: would tell me your own money story. <laughs> yes, so can... my man. Dude,
1: that's exactly what I did with my FX. I was like, how are you?" And that—that—that that, that, there's a follow-up question. This for you, brother. It's like, what is the hardest
0: part of practicing what you preach? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. And you could also ask, "What's the hardest part of coaching?" And the hardest part of coaching is not talking. Yeah, that's me. I'm so ready to help,
1: (laughs) you know, my executive uh, leaders and I coach and stuff like that. I've gotten really good at, you know, God gave me one mouth and two ears for a reason. Right. And listening with my neck. Right. So like really getting into conversations and I've gotten it down. But before I was like, oh, I want to help, help,
0: help. So I feel you there, man. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, you know, let's put this into context here, because because I think there's a really interesting point we can tease out of this. So when you go to a financial advisor. And they talk about the numbers and they only ask you about the numbers. Mm. What does that say to you? What's the message you're getting? There's no compassion from their end for you. And there's no one. Yeah. What about the entry. human being in front of you? Right. All I'm, interested in Thank is your money. You. I'm
1: interested in you. Right. Thank you. Right. Cause that's my FA. We're not buddies. Like we'll play a little golf here and there. You know, we both rode jujitsu and stuff like that. But it's like, the, he was like, listen, man, there was something blocking you before. My job, I feel, is to help you, Fergie, you know, you know, get over that blockage. Right. You know, right. and let me do my job of that. But that, no, I love this, dude. I love it. I'm it's, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead.
0: No problem at all. Let's tease this out a little bit more. One more question. So, so, you know, when 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 you're sitting in front of a financial advisor, and let's just say, right. You've never been to a financial advisor, or no one ever talked about money when you were growing up, and you say to someone, you say to your financial, and let's say the financial advisor asks you about, you know, what was what was money like growing up and stuff like that. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself, tell me how you got here and everything. And you say, "Oh, we never talked about money growing up, uh, or I've never been to see a financial advisor." What do you think you could, you know, what do you think is an under potential underlying message in that? I never talked about money growing up or, uh, you know, we never, I've never never been to a financial advisor. What is, what is that person potentially saying?
1: That they, there's no identity to money and that they need possibly to be educated. I I don't know. Yeah,
0: So you could be saying this is really exciting or you could be saying this is really scary. Scary. Yeah. Okay. This is really scary. So, so you've just told, somebody that this is a really scary space for me and they've said oh don't worry we know a lot about money around here we're in the right place I'm I'm gonna look after you don't you worry about it so I've said to you Scott I'm really scared and you've said to me don't worry Dennis I'm really brave no am I gonna feel any better no no not much right no
1: and a good advisor is a coach man you know they just are they don't think that they are, but they are. And like I use the how, when, never why. I never use that question why when I'm coaching because there's some judgmentalism in it. Ooh. But, you know, you know, where did these feelings of lack come from? You know, it, it could go there. And I wish advisors, financial advisors would ask that because, it, you know, it, it it's such, money doesn't make the world go round, but it sure as hell makes it easier to live if you have it, you know, bottom line. And, and there's Absolutely. a
0: scarcity of it yeah. so okay i mean the people that are telling you money doesn't buy you happiness usually have money they're not <laughs> the ones who don't have money <laughs> right right you can pull right up to happiness you and something uh, though i got a lot uh, of money and i can tell you it doesn't buy me happiness well you know what i'd like just like to try it for a little bit i'd like to try being really really rich and then okay maybe let's right, see what happens right, but... hey have you seen the movie
1: back to the future i have yeah okay Let's get in that DeLorean with Marty McFly. All right, let's go to the double deuce, the 22-year-old Dennis. What kind of knowledge nuggets, as we call him here at Time to Shine Today, or what kind of wisdom would you drop on the 22-year-old Dennis to maybe help him level up, blast through, and maybe shorten the learning curve just a little bit? Not so much change too much, but what would yeah. you do to
0: help him level up a little bit? I would say to him that Uh, Life is is a learning journey, so it doesn't stop when you leave college, you need to move into a new phase of embracing life, embrace lifelong learning. Wow. You've left the formal education process, but you don't know anything. Wow. And that's okay, right? That's not meant as a judgment. It sounds a bit judgmental, no. but it doesn't really? You've just got to the end of that phase right and now embrace lifelong learning and the most important thing you can learn about is yourself love that dude. that is that that is fantastic. So
1: how do does Dennis want his Dash remember that little line in between your incarnation date and your expiration date, your life date and your death date and your tombstone which hopefully it's a long ways down the road. but how does Dennis want his Dash remember?
0: Yeah um I'd like people to look at me and go he tried to be the best person he could yeah and yeah, that he- sounds a bit trite I guess in some senses but I think if you want if you yeah if you want to think about your legacy what you're talking about is how do your kids remember you love it I love it. it and it, and I think they they like I'd like them to remember me as some person that was always trying to uh be the best person they could. It doesn't mean I'm a successful at it, don't get me no, wrong. I mean no. I'm not right. I'm a long way from that.
1: Subjective, right? But am, there's there's but the thing about I'm you talking. is I'm gonna pat your back, dude, because what you're doing with financial advisors in wanting them to show compassion and educate their clients that you're actually planting trees, brother, that you're not going to sit in the shade of. Because if you, you're what you're doing, hopefully they pay that forward to the people Mm -hmm. that they train, right? And I love this angle. And this was what I was hoping for after kind of vetting you out, you know, and seeing (laughs) where it went. I love it. So then what do you think people misunderstand the most about Dennis?
0: Most understand the most about you, about me. Oh, wow. Well, these weren't the questions I prepared. <laughs> no. This is time to shine
1: today, man. We, we, we
0: rock. We get deep. You misunderstand about me. Um, God. I think they see me as someone that's maybe uh, always trying to worry, think too much about things and explain things and... I guess, in some senses of the word, I have to kind of understand it in order to to be it. I just, that's Ah, kind of how I'm wired. Um, And what I'm really trying hard right now is just to step back and ask questions like, that's really interesting. Tell me more about I love that. Why do you think that way? There's a why, but you know, what's, what's driving your thinking? You're right, because the why thing is always. Because it makes total sense to me at this moment. Now, maybe right. my brain's only thinking one nanosecond ahead as opposed to in 40 years' time because I'm triggered and I'm stressed and I'm tilted and whatever it is. Right. I, You know, I believe I believe that, that every individual makes what the rational decision for them in that moment. Maybe really bad for them in the long term. Sure. Maybe really bad for them in the next five minutes. But right then, right. it makes a huge amount of sense. So the why question is not about judgment. It's like, help me understand. Yeah. Right. If you ask yourself a why yeah. question, I'm good with that. Because I don't, with my
1: clients, we don't do affirmations. A lot of people are like, want to do affirmations. What I do with my clients, something I was taught by my coaches and mentors is we ask crazy high level questions. Like, how is it that I'm 240 pounds and sculpted and I look great? Why is it that my bank account keeps growing? Because our brains are made to solve problems and if you give yourself affirmations there's a seat of doubt if you ask yourself a question and you ask them as powerfully as you can and I'll even add whys into the questions I ask myself mm. you know um you no know, that that's great I love the compassion that you have so what then what keeps you up at night
0: I still have money anxiety right okay. I'm mean, thank you
1: for the transparency dude that is awesome it's, Dennis
0: it's a damn sight better than it used to be Right, right. And, and what I don't do is I don't radiate it out to everybody as much as I usually Right, it. So I okay. think that's, you know, it's okay. I have self-compassion around that. I understand mm-hmm. I'm on a journey with it mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to get better at it. And I guess, I guess if I have in 20 years time, I've got 20 years less to worry about in terms right. of my future. I, I, yeah. So it's okay. about, it's about taking ownership of that process and going, how do I do this better? What is it that I can do for myself uh, in myself to make this process better? How do I create more security for myself in the future? Uh, Part of that is like.
1: Those are huge level up questions, high level questions, dude. I'm sorry, you, dude. It's the ocean. No problem. That that, that is because if that's keeping you up at night, you're problem solving. Right. You're actually going through and asking yourself questions
0: instead of saying, shit, man, you know, I'm here. Right. You know. So have you ever seen that film, The Bridge? It's about these. It's about this is spy swap. You remember that guy, the U.S. pilot that got shut down over Russia in the 50s and they swapped Mm. him for for an American spy. Right. Mm -hmm. It's got Tom Hanks in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right. So here's 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 a really great clip. So the Russian guy has been captured and whatever else it is. And uh, and I and Tom Hanks is there to interview him and everything. And he says, Tom Hanks says to this guy, aren't you worried? And the guy says, Would it help? <laughs>
1: That's true. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Does it help?
0: Right. So right. the process of being less anxious is partly about building security, but it's also partly about getting yourself to remember that that anxiety is just an is 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 something that you can dial down in yourself. Love it. You love can do it. some breathing exercises. You can do some mantras. But fundamentally, you recognize it. You look at yeah. it and go, "Oh, hey, I know what you're trying to do, but it's all right. I got this." I love it. It, it, it movement. Just I, I'm glad you
1: brought in physiology physiology into it as well. It's like I'm a huge believer in rebounding in, in a trampoline right? Uh, Because, you know, it's funny, I go on stage, and I open up all my speeches with me bouncing on a trampoline. And people, again, I'm I'm 250 pounds, I'm a big dude, pretty well put together, people are like, what is this guy doing? But, you know, I'm able to one, I work out my anxiety through the physiology of going out in front of 30 or 500 people, but also, like your heart beats, and it purifies your blood, but Mm. nothing can clear the lymph system out without movement, right? So, like a lymph system stores all your leukemia and cancers and all that stuff yeah. in there. So when you're rebounding, it actually, because when you come off the trampoline, you are at zero gravity. You hit the trampoline, you're at four times the gravity, right? Right. So it, it just it flushes out your system. But the best part about it is when I'm on stage is that people are going like this and affirming everything I say. <laughs> They're like, right. felt like a tennis match. The day know, right? <laughs> so what is Dennis's definition of a life
0: well-lived? Hmm. I think this has to do, for me, with the concept of purpose. So we, we we talk about happiness, we talk about well-being, we talk about meaning, we talk about purpose. All these things that if you can find purpose in your life, you will find meaning, you will find happiness, you will find well. Wow. All these things come from purpose, right? I think the question around what is the meaning of life is a pointless question. The real question is, what is the purpose? Have you found purpose? Yeah. So this is why people who get paid a lot of money, but do jobs that, 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 that have no purpose, or at least they feel like, you know, have no purpose. sure, that, Don't make them happy because the money won't make you happy. Right. It's purpose that makes you happy. And when you look at... Uh, if you if you take a correlation between money and happiness, there eh, you know, obviously it goes up. And but beyond a certain point, more money won't make you more happy. What's really and, and we, you know, we don't need to get into happiness and well, sure. you know, that kind of stuff. But what's really interesting is that there is no correlation between money and purpose. Right. Right. Because purpose is an internal thing. It's what wow. you find for yourself. So a life well lived, whoever you are, whoever I am, is when I feel I have purpose. And that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me. You're
1: you're such a servant, man. I I, I just believe you do what you love in the service of people that love what you do. And I know that I love what you do. And I know you love what you do. And that's, 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 that's fantastic, man. That is beautiful. Hey, hey, time to shine today, Podcast Varsity Squad. We are back with my awesome sauce friend, Dennis. And Dennis, you and I literally could talk an hour on each one of these questions, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you me. got five seconds to answer them with no explanations. And they all can be answered that way. You ready to rock? Let's go. Let's level up. All right, Dennis, what is the best leveling up advice you've ever received?
0: Best advice is that perfect is the enemy of progress. You learn Love by trying... Get comfortable, put yourself out there. Love it, love it. Share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. I think that's a balance between checking your work, doing it to this, the best ability there is, not putting it in too early, but also not hanging on to it. Just get it out. Love there. it. If you
1: see me walking down the street, kind of hanging out like, yeah, Ferky looks like he was in his doldrums and you to give him something to read
0: to level up. What book are you giving me? Ah, waha! Well, huh, that's a good question. The book... <coughs> For that particular case, I would... Quickly be, on these, leveling up lightning round. Quickly. Right. Um, oh, shit, you got me there. Grandpa's Grandpa's Fortune Fables, how to talk to your children about money. Love that. Love, love, love that. Your most commonly used emoji when you text.
1: Smiley face. Love it. Nicknames growing up? Didn't have any. None. Chess checkers or Monopoly? Monopoly. Love it. What's your go-to flavor for ice cream? Vanilla. No, All right. So there's a sandwich named the Haralakis. What is on your sandwich?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, it's got avocado. Uh, it's got a bit of Swiss cheese. And it's got a little bit of mayo, not too much, so that the avocado doesn't fly out. Love it when you into it.
1: <laughs> Love it. So... If, you, if you, you, you got a time machine for the day, right? And you can spend one day, 20 years in the future or one day, 20 years in the past. Where are you going? Wow. Future. Beautiful. What's your favorite charity and organization you'd like to give your time or money to? Anything to do with kids. Beautiful. Last question. You can elaborate a little bit on this one, but what's the best decade of music? 60s,
0: 70s, 80s, or 90s? Okay, if I look at my record collection, it's 80s. All right, very um, cool. So, yeah. No, I
1: I'm, think so. I'm an 80s guy too. I mean, I, I graduated in 1990, so I lived through the 80s. And, you know, big hair don't care. They had the invasions in the United States from Britain and even Ireland with you two. And, you know, you had the big hair bands. I love it. I love it, love it. So, Dennis, where can we
0: find you, my friend? You can find me at cambridgemoneycoaching.uk. Right. ww.cambridge money coaching or one word uk come and Excellent. find me let's and that'll
1: be in the show notes squad and let's talk a little bit about this monthly workshop that you uh
0: yeah thank you, you, have you. for financial
1: advisors so,
0: so we touched on it a little bit earlier which is which is how do you how do you understand client how do you help people understand Their clients think and behave around money because it's not taught. It's not taught if you're a planner, it's not taught if you're an advisor, it's not taught in any space at all. You need uh, a money coach because a money coach has insights around how people think and behave and feel around their money. And here's the interesting thing how people think and feel and behave around their money drives their spending, their saving, their earning, and their investing. So if you're a financial advisor and you don't know anything about how they think and feel and behave around money, but you're trying to help them save, spend, invest, and earn. Where are you? Right. That's what my workshop teaches you. That
1: is awesome. That's such self-compassion in there. And in squad, um, I know we ran a little bit longer than what we usually do, but I want to keep my guy Dennis on here. Um, He basically gave you a free masterclass on how a financial advisor should treat people, how to think about uh, money. And he was full transparency from the hundreds of decisions that he had with building this house. You know that he reminded us that making decision from places fear is suboptimal, suboptimal, mm. and that cognitive narrowing can happen. You know we've seen. You know Dennis told us that we do tend to internalize failure, and if you're going to hire a great financial advisor, he will get help you get past the mental blocks, using self-compassion. And when you're starting to work with an advisor, also ask them how they manage their own money and their thoughts and maybe their past, maybe reverse interview them, if you will. You know, you know, life is a learning journey, Dennis reminded us. You know, you're gonna go through new phases, new rebirths of life. And sometimes you're gonna get stuck. And like my good, good friend and coach Leah Woodford told me is like, get your asking gear. You can ask questions, but understand, like Dennis said, you're going to go through new phases. You know, Dennis can remembered again as the best person that he could be. You know, metaphorically, he's gonna slide across home plate, bumped and bruised, but a better person and knowing that he's helped people, you know, level up their life. You know, he wants you to, you know, find your purpose, that thing that moves you, that internal thing. You know, and if you do that, all your other wise what's, how's will follow you because that passion and purpose is there. And all of his information is in our show notes. And, and please feel free to reach out to us so we can make a warm introduction to Dennis. You know, he levels up his health. He levels up his wealth. He's earned his varsity letter here at Time to Shine today. You know, he, he he's just full of love. He's humble, yet hungry. And he's full of compassion. Dennis, I love your guts, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so, so much.
0: I've had the most awesome time, Scott. Thank
1: you, so. You're much. very welcome. We'll chat soon, my friend. Okay, Bye. I look forward to it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Time to Shine Today podcast. Probably brought to you by Sutter & Nugent Real Estate, real estate excellence, who can be reached at 561-249-7266 and online at www.sutterandnugent.com. If you're a business owner or professional who would like to be interviewed on Time to Shine Today, please visit time timetoshinetoday.com slash guest. If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, stitcher spotify iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts there's a link in the show notes to our website also there you will see our recommended resources we hope that you will support our show by supporting them if you like what you've been listening to it'd be great if you could just give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe while you're at it i'm your host scott ferguson and until next time let's level up it's our time to shine